1: Or Whatever Movies
0: with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I am your co-host, Iris, and I am here with my older brother, Wesley. Today, we are talking Netflix original film from 2020, The Lovebirds. The Lovebirds. Starring Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani.
1: Did you have any any grasp of Issa Rae before this?
0: I didn't, but now I totally want to watch Insecure.
1: And Kumail Nanjiani got all buff and is going to be a Marvel superhero next.
0: <laughs> That's what I heard. Who exactly? Do you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's going to be in The Eternals. I don't know his name. Honestly, he looks pretty yoked in preparation for that here. Wouldn't you like to get paid to get yoked? I would like to get yoked, whether paid or otherwise, but that would be preferable.
0: Right? Maybe um, we could do a Patreon campaign where our listeners pay for you to get yoked.
1: Great. I mean, so it would just be channeling, basically, the millions that we already receive in patron donations, we can just sort of funnel into a yoked campaign.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like people should have a say in where their Patreon money goes.
1: Yeah. I also want people to note the sarcasm in my voice when I say we're raking in millions.
0: Your humor is rather dry.
1: So uh, Kelly had confused him with uh, Aziz Ansari, you know, the Me Too movement offender. Yep. On the surface, that could be racist, but they both have, you know, relatively unusual names to our ears. And we only sort of heard about him tangentially because he wasn't one of the primary offenders, but it was not Kumail Nanjiani. Kumail Nanjiani's offenses are totally unrelated to the Me Too movement. What are his offenses? The Lovebirds.
0: <laughs> Before we get into the Lovebirds, just rule of thumb, Aziz Ansari, Modern Love, and Master of None, Kumail Nanjani, Big Sick, and the Lovebirds. So you think that the Lovebirds was offensive no. to your, your delicate film sensibilities?
1: No, I was not offended by any of the content in the Lovebirds. Offensive is not the right adjective.
0: What is the right adjective?
1: The lovebirds. So I don't mind Kumail Nanjiani. I think that he has pretty decent comic timing. I also really liked Issa Rae. She held her own certainly. She was funny. I could see her in a wide array of things.
0: Great comic timing, great range, really adorable Really likable. I, I was really impressed by Issa Rae, And I think this is one of the first things that I've really seen her in.
1: So looking at the at the Lovebirds, which of course is a Netflix original, right? Yep. And so just, you know, obviously we, we don't come in with a lot of context. These aren't trailers that we see at the beginnings of movies or anything. I had to look it up and the poster is where my issue with the Lovebirds starts. Issa Rae and Camille Nanjiani sitting side by side in a pose that doesn't suggest any kind of chemistry whatsoever. And Hmm.
0: in her cute little kitten heels like knees toward him and all that
1: maybe the body language should should be suggestive and I'm getting that from her maybe not from him whatsoever and I have to say I never bought them as a couple even during their meet cute and during their sort of courtship and the inevitable card for four years later. I never really got it. They were in the same space and they were acting with each other but I got no semblance of chemistry. Did you? Hmm. Mm. I, I felt they were great in their respective roles and did fine. But together, it never felt like a love story to me.
0: How much of this lack of chemistry do you think is racially related? The fact that they were an interracial couple.
1: It is a consideration, but that's a different issue for me.
0: So we watched Lovebirds and we watched The Stranger and we watched Sonic and yep. all three had mixed race couples uh-huh and i kind of didn't buy any of them and i'm really taking a moment given our current racial and socio-racial political situation around George Floyd and i'm just thinking like how much of that is is racism <laughs>
1: is that way too dark and deep No, it's a consideration that we will always have because you and I being racially mixed ourselves will never not be in a racially mixed relationship. It's not possible. Right. And certainly mom and dad had their difficulties here and there. But whatever the case, so at least we're aware of it. And I would like to say that we have enough association with mixed race relationships that it doesn't become a factor, but it is a thought. In the back of my head, especially, you know, if for nothing else, the lovebirds as a commercial prospect has to kind of trade on the idea of people accepting a mixed race relationship. Now, generally speaking, right. it comes down to skill and execution, in which case I think Issa is admirable, uh, you know, acting and timing. Kumail Nanjiani, um, no slouch himself and, and a comedian, but together. And, and contrary to my original belief, the lovebirds doesn't hinge on their relationship as much I don't think that this was a love story as much as it was an unnecessary speed bump in an already bumpy relationship right the murder mystery sex cult plot
0: (laughs) right I appreciate a film where the fact that it's a mixed race couple is a non-issue
1: or is treated at least as such as it definitely was in Sonic they never made any mention or allusion to it
0: right yeah Whereas here, they at least reference it, right? They talk about their backgrounds in context of racial profiling. Like, look at us. Like, we are, look at your murderous beard. And like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, that's where they actually address it. In, in con- Not that they're together, but that they could be criminally profiled.
1: So here's how I know that this movie is aware of itself and aware of the disparity in their racial identities i guess and 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 how they would be perceived as a couple and how i i know that it's deliberately trading on this idea of this is a hip movie with an interracial couple is when they were standing on the corner and the police car slowly rolls by
0: yep in front of the pharmacy
1: yeah and 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 doesn't give them any kind of you know doesn't stop doesn't doesn't uh, harass them in any way and they're deathly afraid because they think that he's going to jump out and arrest the suspected murderers. But when he doesn't, Camille Nanjiani says, oh, so he was just a regular racist. <laughs> and so the idea that he gave them a dirty look because they were minorities out and about in the nighttime, but he did, he didn't do anything. They were simply aware of the fact that because the two of them would be standing together at night outside a pharmacy, they would be up to no good. So I think that it was clear in their minds that they they knew that these two people in a relationship was ripe for them being sus- you know suspects in any number well, of crimes.
0: I think that that is the daily experience for minorities. And obviously it was to comic effect. Right. But also, you know, they're wearing like dime store clothes. She's like in these ra- like in, they're both in these super rando outfits, straight chilling on the curb in front of the pharmacy in the middle of the night.
1: Were they random, though? Or did costuming labor over the exact unicorn hoodie and the gold lame jacket, if that's what he was, that they should have been wearing for maximum comedic effect? Of course. I mean. We need funny clothes.
0: We need funny clothes. And they're like, let's put on these funny clothes and not be discreet whatsoever. Right. So yeah, it was a comic choice all around. But I I had a problem with the pharmacy scene as well, but for a different reason. That was the point in the movie where I felt like it took a decided turn. What was a somewhat believable situation that they could get themselves into they took it to the next level you you could kind of su- suspend disbelief and say okay they could get to that point but when they decide that they're going to take it a step further and that they're going to go to
1: the eyes wide shut theater
0: they escape edies right before and then they get to the pharmacy And that's where they have to change because he got hit and there's bacon grease or something. Anyway, I forget what was the next what was what was the next kind of clue that they were going to they decided that they were going to follow. But it was that point where they where the whole movie takes a turn into totally fantastical like murder
1: mystery. Well, you obviously weren't paying attention because the transitions and the and the course of their journey was so meticulously crafted. I mean, can you imagine how much effort it takes to keep a horse in a little barn or a stable just ready to kick people on command as punishment? Like this whole thing was very carefully orchestrated.
0: How come they didn't smell the bacon? The bacon was literally frying right behind Edie. And then they're like, oh, bacon grease? Like they should have commented that it
1: smelled like breakfast. Yeah, they knew this way ahead of time. Do you know how long it takes to get bacon sizzling that much? No, how long? I like twenty. I just cooked bacon. It's a very impractical torture method. It could be effective,
0: as is prep, getting a horse to kick. I mean,
1: yeah, they had to train that horse to kick on command.
0: But also, I mean, I would a hundred percent take being kicked by a horse than having bacon grease thrown on me.
1: Dude, can you imagine that anyone would choose the bacon grease over the horse? <laughs> is just an indication that this movie doesn't know who is who its audience is okay I, I just don't know who the writers and director thought would find that a rational choice
0: well yeah I mean apparently not you
1: so you figured the pharmacy is when it took a turn for the surreal and for the improbable
0: yeah at that point they were out they didn't need to go back and they choose to like they're into it which I couldn't get behind it's like when you go back you're just an unlikable character
1: yeah but um i kind of likened it given its comedy vein i i compared it to i love lucy in the kind of idea where we're supposed to really like these characters also an interracial relationship by the way where sometimes lucy would get caught up in fantastical schemes or at least what she perceived to be schemes with burglars and murderers or whatever and she would kind of get through these situations by her wits and, and I guess by being funny but it seemed like they were always the hapless couple who were ready with the funny quips while horrible things were happening and just by sheer charm they would avoid being murdered by mustache or bicycle or any number it might as well have been henchman one or two or thug or whatever But it can't be avoided, the idea that they go from one ridiculous situation, which could have been ignored or overlooked or at least forgiven, into another ridiculous situation and to another, where Mustache haunts them across the landscape like Anton Shigur in No Country for Old Men because they're following the trail of the (sighs) cell. I pieced it together with Kelly, so they hit a guy, they were breaking up, they hit a guy who was being pursued by the other guy who was the partner of the guy of Bicycle got hit and Mustache was his partner, but Mustache was trying to kill Bicycle because he had gotten a little bit greedy in their attempts to defraud or to uh, fleece the sex cult. So he deliberately murdered him because Mustache was, may or may not have been a cop, but was hired as security, as a lookout for the sex cult and He was definitely a cop. Yeah, so, but piecing it together seemed kind of useless because I didn't care. I pieced it together just out of sheer, like, okay, if we can... It wasn't hard to track. No, it wasn't, but it was hard to believe. It was hard to believe if you weren't endeared to these characters. Which I have to say I wasn't.
0: Man...
1: Because if they had gone their own ways, sure, and they had dealt with this situation seriously, of course, that wouldn't have been the movie. That wouldn't have been funny. But them as a couple, and obviously really hoping that they're trying to survive this ordeal, would ultimately bring them back together. I mean, we got the hints that there was still a spark, and they were going to get through this together the stronger, right? And they couldn't have done it without each other. But I wasn't rooting for them to get together because I didn't like them as a couple.
0: You said you didn't believe them as a couple
1: i didn't believe them and so i didn't like them it's like this maybe wasn't a relationship that they should have been in because they broke up for reasons outside of this ordeal and that stressful situations would bring them together again
0: they broke up because he was unwilling to share things with her because he was afraid because he perceived that she was shallow because she didn't want to dig deeper into their relationship Like those aren't detestable things. Those are reasonable things. And sometimes relationships need to get shaken up a little bit for people to kind of let go some of these resentments that they're harboring or to be honest about how they're really feeling.
1: Thank you, Dr. Phil. I look forward to seeing them again in the sequel when they've hashed out all these issues and are now fighting crime on the regular.
0: It's interesting because you're bringing up issues and parts of this movie that I also have issues with, but for different reasons, right? Like you cited the pharmacy scene and you you cited an inconsequential plot and it was inconsequential to you because you didn't care. You weren't invested in these characters. I also thought that the plot, that the storyline was fairly inconsequential in that this movie doesn't have any kind of real profound meaning or message. It's a fun throwaway comedy that is escapist in this time where there are like serious issues going on.
1: You called it fun.
0: It had this kind of movie totally has its place. And this movie was totally fun. It was totally funny. The characters were really likable and had great chemistry. It may be not sexual chemistry or romantic chemistry, but comic chemistry. And Brian and I laughed like the whole time. Brian more so than me, but like the whole time.
1: So what you're saying is this is the diversion that we need. It doesn't have to be heavy with message, but we live in a coronavirus slash civil unrest age. And the lovebirds is a perfect complement or a diversion from these trying times. And that's its message. That's its weight. And so here was what surprised me. is I looked up the filmmakers and uh, the director previously directed, a long time ago, Wet Hot American Summer, among others, which completely made sense to me. But I, I expected this to be a comedy vehicle conceived by Kumail Nanjiani. Like the big sick. With all respect to Issa Rae, she wasn't on my radar before this. Kumail Nanjiani was. And I thought he would have had this idea of it could be funny with a relationship, a mixed race relationship in a murder mystery comedy mix up. And I should hire someone to make, to write that script, to get it produced. I would, you know, I'll star in it and I'll find someone wonderful to act alongside me. I thought this would have been something that he would have conceived of and would have used his star power or credibility, I guess, to get made. And that was not the case. Well, he was an executive producer. Right. But four writers on this project, and it's possible it originated with him, but there were four other people trying to tailor it, I guess, to his comedy chops and a director who had been established before for comedy, and he didn't seem to have creative input. It wasn't story and concept by Camille Nanjani. It seems like this was a movie that already existed that Camille Nanjani seemed to find a spot in.
0: It's possible. It does seem bespoke. Like it does seem awfully customized for not only him, but for for what I know of Issa Rae.
1: As the best movies should be when they are attached to talent, right? When they're sort of more particularized. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop was originally intended for Sylvester Stallone. And then once Eddie Murphy came on board, they radically changed it because of his ability, his comedic timing and his ability. Whoa, weird. The point I'm trying to make is that this movie was created by a team of people and seemed so specific and unlikely to get made that I was confounded as to how this movie made it to Netflix.
0: Well, it probably didn't cost much. The Secrarium scenes were, you know, there were a lot of background and stuff like that, but it was shot in New Orleans. Yes. With probably some great tax credits. Yep. With, you know, mid-sized talent.
1: But did it cost less than $3 million?
0: I mean, that's a small movie, maybe. I mean, this seems like an easy bet for
1: Netflix. So what was the word that we were talking about earlier that I felt? Inconsequential. No, not resentment or frustration, but uh, trying to figure out how this movie got made. I, w- I was frustrated. I don't know that there was a new concept. I think it was an amalgamation of interesting concepts, the dynamics of a, of a relationship in which the two cultures sort of collide and a murder mystery and a partial comedy. And it was just a kind of combining of genres under the comedy umbrella that seemed formulaic in its execution, intendedly so, in that we're going to riddle this movie with comedic convention and themes that we think would make a nice, fun movie.
0: So you feel like the creators were just kind of throwing everything at the wall?
1: Yes. I feel like these four writers went into their rooms and hashed out scenes and they were disparate and impractical. And they said, you know, just put them in. I I don't know, the frat house scene goes after the murder scene and the sex cult scene. <laughs> so you have the initial sequence when they get wrapped up in the
0: plot where they hit Bicycle and Mustache murders him. Then they have the Edie set piece, and then they have the Sequarium set piece, and then Mustache again. I mean, they have these sequences that are certainly not as non-sequitur as like in Nice Guys, They're tracking a crime. You know, they partner up to the extent that they will stick together to figure out this crime because they're invigorated by it. They feel like they can do some good. And so they track it.
1: Nice guys.
0: And they survive, like you said, through their charm. It's not nice guys.
1: Right. Nice guys. A Patreon exclusive where you can also hear my opinion. www.orwhatevermovies.com. Check it out. Thank you for your support.
0: It is important to note that this was a Paramount movie set for a theatrical release that ended up on Netflix.
1: Gotta say, sometimes movies just dodge a bullet. When everybody's hung, hungry for content and you would have seen Capone disappear without a whimper, the Lovebirds wouldn't have made a dollar in the theaters.
0: Are you kidding? The Big Sick was a real hit for Amazon. People like Kumail Nanjiani.
1: Then why didn't Amazon jump on the opportunity to further their success with Camille Nanjiani in acquiring The Lovebirds?
0: Well, who knows? I mean, Paramount probably went to Netflix because they have the widest distribution.
1: So while I preface this with my admiration for Issa Rae as an actress and as a personality on screen and the same for Camille Nanjiani, I never really believed anything that they were saying or doing. And I get that you have to view this in the context of a wacky zany comedy, but at the same time, the sheer unbelievability was really hard for me. Uh, All of their reactions, their ready quips for any situation hit false notes for me and thus weren't funny. Was it funny? And I mean, you said you guys laughed kind of the whole time.
0: We laughed the whole time. And Brian was like in rare form, like peanut gallerying and like doing his loud barky laugh. Like laughing out loud and threatening to wake up the girls, and then afterwards he was like, "I'm so glad that we finally got to watch some good movies." Okay. I think you're just kind of grump pants, and um.
1: So I considered this. You
0: weren't in the you weren't in the right mood. Do you think they would be a good team for the Amazing Race?
1: No, and I'll tell you why. Number one, they argue too much. And they're the kind of couple that would have to stop in the middle of the street. They can't multitask argue. They can't seem to argue on the run.
0: But that's good drama fodder.
1: While she was getting dressed, she would like stop and they would have conversations. And it took her like an hour to get dressed because she would have to stop every time she made a comment. But that's great for ratings. And during The Amazing Race, they were at a mild walking pace while they were trying to argue where they should be flat out running and arguing between gasps.
0: She should take off her heels when she runs. All right, Grump Pants, you have to give your rating and your justification for your rating.
1: So my gripe is that the filmmakers knew what they were doing, and they knew how ridiculous this movie was conceptually. We went over this before in The Hangover, but The Hangover treated a ridiculous scenario very seriously, whereas I don't think The Lovebirds did that. Um, I think that they were in on the joke the whole time and they were selling a partial joke that they didn't believe.
0: There was never real fear or stakes. I'll give you that.
1: Right. Director, writer, acted. It was never meant to be believable or dangerous. And so obviously it didn't work as a dramatic murder mystery, but it also didn't work for me as a comedy because of how unbelievable I felt that everyone was both performance wise and reactionary. They didn't respond to situations as they would for even a good comedy. So as we we had written down quotes before that, uh, that struck us as funny or being out of place in movies like The Last Unicorn, right? So I wrote down a number of indicators that patently displayed to me that this movie didn't take itself seriously and thus I couldn't do it either. One was the regular racist cop where they were obviously trading on the idea that these two minorities would be treated unfairly by law enforcement when they did leave the scene of a crime and they did deliberately, at least in their minds, uh, avoid capture when they were contacted by the police by throwing the phone upside down in the milkshake where the speaker was still exposed (laughs) and the cop could still hear them.
0: Totally unnecessary.
1: They did so much the wrong thing that was meant to be zany and funny that I just kind of rolled my eyes.
0: But there's so much truth. There's so much truth to the extra milkshake, extra spaghetti story.
1: Yes, that's pure comedian monologue. That's supposed to be observational and truthful in a way that we nod our head and say it's funny because it's true. And in a movie where nothing was funny or true. Which was frustrating, which made me think this was a vehicle created specifically for Kamel Nanjiani's comedy stylings. In the meantime, we have them breaking in to the frat house and following the address on the phone that Bicycle left behind when he died, right? Right. And they climb in through the window and they strangely assault that frat boy who never calls out for help until he's on his feet and running down the hallway. And Issa Rae smacks the frat boy and. The frat boy says, Hey, why would you do that? And and Kamal Nanjani says, Yeah, why would we do that? And there's no answer for that question. Because it's ridiculous.
0: They're trying to be gangsters.
1: And nobody believes it.
0: They don't know how to interrogate.
1: Nobody in this movie knows how to interrogate.
0: Um, the lead detective, she played it real.
1: <laughs> she did. She was like the Viola Davis in this movie, like Viola Davis in Suicide Squad or in Widows, just the only serious light in a ridiculous movie. At one point, Camille Nanjiani says, and I quote, See you later, crocodile. As if that would be anything anyone would say, even by mistake.
0: It was funny in its delivery. It's not funny when you dissect it.
1: How about in a romantic comedy where they're in a tense situation and then all of a sudden a Katy Perry song comes on and it eventually prompts an impromptu sing-along while they're in a murder suspect situation.
0: That must have been really hard to pull off. Like Stu piecing together roofies and floories and rapies. And that scene could have gone horribly wrong. And it Maybe it wasn't the best, but it they pulled it off.
1: You're talking about The Hangover.
0: I'm comparing scenes that are arguably hard to pull off, right? The, the writers are putting all of the pressure, all of the onus on the actors. And in The Hangover, when Stu is piecing together the mystery to eventually find Doug, you know, through the rapies, roofies, Florie's thing, he doesn't. It. it was really hard to do, I think. And in this case, the Katy Perry thing, the Katy Perry sing-along, That was a really hard scene to do, and they kind of pulled it off.
1: Mm -hmm. They definitely did. They got everybody singing, and the Lyft driver, not Uber, Lyft, we have to make sure that the logo is visible, was also kind of singing along and nodding her head. The idea that they would get caught up in the middle of being murder suspects and ignore their instincts uh, and, and sing out loud, sure, must have been hard to pull off. They did it anyway. It didn't work. It made me roll my eyes. It never lands right. And it doesn't feel believable to anyone who watches movies. I don't know.
0: I disagree with you about the Katy Perry scene. They pulled it off.
1: When they're arrested and they're in front of the investigator for bicycles murder, and they find out that they're not murder suspects. That was a silly Lucy Ricardo assumption that they made that got themselves deeper in hot water than was necessary. And she says to them, Why would two civilians murder someone they've never met? That makes no sense. And I'm nodding along being like, exactly, police investigator lady. Why would these two people go to such lengths to avoid being caught for a murder they didn't commit?
0: Because of their own racial profiling. Because all of their life they've been discriminated against, and they live in New Orleans, and they're trying to navigate a world that is um, still, that has systematic racism and is socially unjust.
1: New Orleans, which Ray Nagin once came under fire for calling a chocolate city, where they are by no means minorities. I'm just saying. It's like saying that as black people, they would be singled out and treated unfairly in Atlanta. It's like the blackest (laughs) city ever.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying, you don't understand
1: the plight of the colored person. When the cops finally caught up to them and they were arguing, do you remember what the cop said to them? No. You guys are so annoying. Could not have been more Okay,
0: I get it. You didn't like it.
1: What do you give it? (laughs) This movie was as unrealistic as having a new car that would have a cigarette lighter in it.
0: So you're summing up what didn't work for you. Did you see the room? No, I mean not in its entirety. I saw a disaster. artist. I thought you don't watch bad movies because they're bad.
1: I didn't see The Room. Because why? Because it was
0: a bad movie.
1: And why wouldn't I see a bad movie?
0: Because you don't see bad movies just because they're bad.
1: Because I avoid bad movies. And as such, I don't have a lot of bad movies on my radar, which makes The Lovebirds the worst movie I've ever seen. There's no way. This one was the worst one of the ones that I have seen
0: that that's just ridiculous this is the worst movie you've seen of all of
1: the good movies you've seen this is the worst good movie yes everything you just said is true this movie was ridiculous and was the worst movie I've ever actually seen
0: that is not possible are you so selective that you only
1: watch good movies. No, I can't it can't be avoided and certainly we've reviewed movies that I've given less than favorable reviews but of all the movies that I This I've movie seen, was
0: worse than Capone.
1: Yes, it was worse than Capone. This movie was way worse than Jordan Peele's Us. No. Yep. And the reason is because there was so much promise with so many missteps where every time you would start to get on a roll and I would start to get jazzed, something silly would happen and would ruin it for me. I never got any momentum from this movie.
0: You've heard of the um, acrostic halt, right? You should pause and not do anything important if you are hungry, angry, tired or lonely. Okay.
1: I'm none of those things right now.
0: But when you saw it, I think you were not in the mood. I think you were hungry and you were hot. Or maybe you were hot and you were tired. And you were in a really bad mood because there's no way that The Lovebirds is worse than Capone and Jordan Peele's Us, in your estimation. So, nope. Lovebirds is a
1: nope. I'm so sorry. Brian, this movie was 100% a nope. I've never been so convinced of my own review. I've never believed more implicitly. I've never felt less guilt about giving a movie a nope review than The Lovebirds, Kamal Nanjiani, Issa Rae, a Netflix original. <sighs> did you see Wet Hot American Summer, which inexplicably, decades later, got a revival? No. Uh, breeding ground for a lot of up and comers, uh, Janine Garofalo, Paul Rudd, among a number of others, directed. Oh,
0: yeah, I did see it.
1: Right. Also directed by Michael Showalter, a name which is known to me. Do you remember in that movie where we were supposed to accept, even in the confines of a wacky screwball comedy, that a man falls in love with a refrigerator and then proceeds to hump it on stage in front of the camp? That was a thing that happened in a real movie and is still happening decades later in The Lovebirds, were the dumbest things i have ever seen were put on screen were picked up by netflix made a bunch of money half the critics liked it roughly half the audience liked it which isn't really a good sign at all
0: who humped what in the lovebirds
1: nobody <laughs> nobody humped anything in the lovebirds although it's possible the writers at one point humped a dead horse in order to get this thing made
0: why are you marginalizing objectophiles
1: but in <laughs> Okay, you're right. So, I mean, we can go on YouTube and watch "I Married the Eiffel Tower," and that that was so. I, I'm bringing awareness and credibility to their plight. He <laughs> fell in love with and humped on stage in front of the camp a refrigerator. That guy is still making movies, successful movies, just what we need in this time of civil unrest and the coronavirus age.
0: All right. Well, I think that today's context makes you a grump, and. In today's context, I found Lovebirds to be a refreshing escapist film. And that's our review on The Lovebirds. A nope, 100%, the worst movie from Wes, and a good from Iris.
1: We'd love to know what you think. Come at me, bro. I definitely want to hear what you think. Somebody come at me.
0: 818-835-0473 or whatever movies at gmail.com. Hashtag Wes is a grump. Thank you for listening.
1: No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric
0: Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast.
1: Electricast.